Hey everyone, and welcome to the Christ Family Church Podcast. We are so glad that you've made the decision to take time out of your day to join us virtually. Whether you're at home right now or listening on your way to work, we hope that you enjoy this week's teaching from Pastor Zachary Fraley. is our last sermon in our waiting room series. And through the past month, we've been talking about waiting because um, as most of you know, the human experience is full of waiting. Not only us, you know, waiting at stop signs, us uh, waiting in lines um, at the grocery store, us waiting over and over again or waiting for a sermon to be done. Um, But the entire story of the Bible is predicated on waiting right? Uh, All creation, everything was waiting for God to breathe creation into existence. And then Adam and Eve were there, and then they messed up, and sin came into the world. And then we were waiting on a Savior for hundreds and hundreds of pages of the Bible, right? And then we got there. The Savior came, and then we were waiting on Him to free us. And then He went and He to the cross, and He died, and we waited for three days. And then he came out of the grave and it was awesome. And he was like, bye, you guys, I'm going to heaven. You're going to wait again um, for my Holy Spirit to come and for my second coming again. And it's like, whoa, there seems like a lot of waiting is in our faith and in our experience. But yet so many times we don't talk about waiting. We don't talk about that because it's not the, you know, exciting thing. It's not uh, the, uh, you know, hot word like hope. It's not like, yeah, the hope of the Lord, you know, waiting on the Lord doesn't carry the same excitement because I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy waiting at all, right? Um, there's, and I don't think I've met anyone who's like, you know what, I am just so great at waiting. That is my spiritual gift. You know, at the, Uh, when I put my laundry in, it's great. I just wait, you know, for my birthday, I wait. There's no one I've ever met who said, I am great at waiting. But yet it's a a reality of the human experience that we are in. Um, It's a reality of our faith as we wait for God to be formed in us. And even as you and I, we were saved the moment we came to Christ, but are waiting for the completion when we get to see Jesus face to face waiting. It is a reality of not only our world, but also our faith. So today I want to turn um, in our Bibles to John 16. We're going to be reading over John 16 and 17. We're going to be crossing over chapter boundaries, just so you know. Don't, Don't get worried, but the Bible was written before chapters were put in. So we can go over these. Um, you know, if anybody has any issues with that, it's okay. Come and talk with me afterwards. We'll be starting at John 16, verse 25. And this is right about at the end of Jesus's ministry, um, where he is uh, summing up things. He says, I'm going to stop speaking to you in figures of speech. And his disciples say, thank God, okay? Because sometimes Jesus would bring up these lofty ideals. And he says, I'm just going to give it to you straight. And then he ends with what we would call the priestly prayer. So here we start in verse 25. I have said these things to you in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, and I have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. I I love how there's like lofty Jesus speech, and then the disciples are like, Oh, goodness, you know, thank you. Can you just talk to us plainly? Now we know that you know all things and you don't need anyone to question you. 
This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Well, behold, because the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home. The, the hour is coming when I'll be on the cross, when you will be scattered, when you will run, but also when the diaspora, the spreading of the Christians will happen, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, you and I. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, your people who are waiting, your people who are waiting on you, who are waiting on miracles, who are waiting on healing, Jesus, who are waiting through suffering. And Jesus, you tell us to wait, to hold on, to hold fast, to be steadfast with our faith. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us that gift that you would help us to um, dig our heels and to stand firm on your truth, Jesus, in a world that seems to be turning away from your truth. Help us to learn today. Open our eyes to see your goodness. Open our ears to hear your truth. And Jesus, open our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today so that we can grow closer to you. It is in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. So as we get into this sermon, we're talking about eternity. And I just want you to take a quick moment to think about heaven, okay? Take a quick moment. You can close your eyes if you want to. Don't fall asleep, but think about heaven. What do you expect it to be? What have people told you it is? What is that thing that is paradise as we know? What does that look like to you? What does that image look like, the wonderful promised land that you've been foretold of? Well, congratulations. First off, you just participated in theology or what scholars would call eschatology, which is the study of the end times. Eschaton, it means end. So this is the branch of theology that primarily deals with the end times, with what is to come or with what already is. More on that in a second. But when we think of paradise or heaven or the end times, whatever you may call it, many times we think of clouds, you know, angels on there playing some harps, uh, pearly gates, streets lined with gold. Um, you may think of a huge family reunion. You may think of seeing loved ones or the promise that one day you will join with all of the followers of Jesus in a huge worship service to him. Actually, in Revelation 7, 9, it gives us this picture. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, honestly, it's, it was one where I read it and it brings tears to my eyes. I cannot wait for that day where I join in with brothers and sisters from Romania and from Africa and Australia and Chicago, um, you know, and we all worship Jesus there. It is going to be amazing. And that is a great picture. It's something that we should work towards, that we should work for. Our Sunday morning should be as diverse as that worship service there um, with people from different tribes, nations, tongues economic backgrounds, but for many of us, that's where our view of eternity stops. 
That's where our picture of heaven ends. We think, well, also, you know, pastor, there won't be any pain or hurting. God will wipe away tears from our eyes and I'll get to eat all the food in a heavenly buffet without gaining weight. Maybe that may be what I look forward to more than anybody else. Um, Maybe that's just me. However, in reality, these are all partial views. They're all slivers of heaven and not a holistic one. We in the church see heaven and the coming eschaton in broken pieces that are really most important to us. But so many times we miss the full picture of heaven in eternity. And I believe that that is because we don't know the real reason that God came down to earth, lived a perfect life, and why he died on the cross. We think, and it is preached, that Jesus came in order to give us life and eternity with him. And that is partially true. Yes, it is correct. But just like our view of heaven, it is a portion of the truth. And before we get into the meaning of eternity and what it means for you and me and for those who follow Christ after us, as well as those who are even in Romania right now having a church service, before we get into that first, we must see where the disconnect is. We must diagnose what our issue is because no one desires to have a partial view of eternity, right? No one wants to just have a portion of the picture. We want to know it all. We want to have a full picture of eternity. And I believe, though, the issue is because preachers and teachers have taken the gospel to be what others have told them. In the 1900s, many churches and traveling evangelists, in an effort to uh, reach the lost, simplified the gospel down to just John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That was the first scripture I ever learned before I was even a Christian, because someone was like, you need to learn this, even if you never go to church again. Um, Thank you so much, Grandma. But the truth is, it is a partial truth. That, that is the mission of God to give you and I everlasting life with him. But what does that look like? What does it look like to spend eternity with God? What is the vehicle through this, which this everlasting life comes? Again, the gospel is that Jesus came down from heaven. He lived among us. He never sinned. It led him to the cross where he died a wrongful death for our sin and wrongdoings so that we could have eternity with God. But the two questions I want to ask today are through what does eternity come? And then what is eternity with God? And when does it start? Through what vehicle? How does eternity come to you and I? And what is eternity with God? Because to be honest, all of us are waiting on it. If you are a Christian, you have been foretold about this wonderful place and you are waiting with bated breath, right? I remember the first time I became a Christian or the, when I did become a Christian, not the first time, there's only one time, but I was so excited, so excited. And since then it's waned a little bit. It comes back at times. However, how does this eternity come to us? And to be honest, to be truthful, all of us will be in eternity following death. The answer is, will you be with God or separated from him? But in order to answer this, we have to go back to the gospel of Matthew, uh, which we just read a little bit to our kids today, and we'll be in Matthew 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can keep your finger in John and then head over to Matthew 4. But there Jesus reads, and he quotes from Isaiah. He said, when he had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by Isaiah might be fulfilled. And again, Matthew's uh, primary goal was to show us how Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. So here he's quoting one of those. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee, and of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness, they have seen great light. 
And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, I want us to all just read that together. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, Jesus preached. Jesus' message there was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, not a constitutional monarchy, not one that messed up with colonialism. It is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the one that is never going to fade, will never rust, will never fail at all. That kingdom of heaven was at hand right then, and the truth is it is at hand right now as well. The gospel for so long in our churches has been a message, ask for forgiveness of your sins, raise your hand, and you can go to heaven. But for too long, there's been a disconnect. You could get your get out of hell free card without ever becoming a disciple of Jesus. Churches teach, turn from sin to Jesus and you'll be forgiven. But they never tell, so many churches fail to tell us how to actually turn to Jesus, how to engage with him, how to know him and love him and continue to stay with him. However, this is the good news that we as sinners can be radically saved by God's grace through Christ, and then subsequently transformed more and more into the image of God. This is the gospel that has been handed down to us throughout the ages. The message that Paul is giving to us, the proclamation of Peter at Pentecost, the one that the apostles all preached. However, was this the message of Jesus? Was it the same? Looking back to Matthew, the message of Jesus is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If there is one central message to Jesus that he had when he came to earth, it was the announcement of the reign of God, the kingdom of God, or um, in Greek, the word basileia um, there, which is where we get the word basilica from. Uh, basileia, it's summed up, and it's this word that Jesus came and preached about over and over and over again. What it means is the present, the coming, and the inbreaking kingdom of God. And in the message of the kingdom of God, the Basileia, there is the message of grace and forgiveness. It is through the kingdom of God that you and I are brought into his kingdom. It is through this inbreaking kingdom, the truth of Jesus, that you and I can receive this gift that the Holy Spirit is given to us through, his Jesus, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But the thing is, for the past 200 years, we as the church have preached about the Messiah instead of the message of the Messiah. We've told people about Jesus instead of listened to his message and shared that as well. The phrase kingdom of God, it's used throughout the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it's obvious, it's oddly missing from the Johannine gospel, the gospel of John, aside from chapter three, when Jesus meets with Nicodemus. And there are some theories. Um, my theory is that the three gospels were written first, and then John wrote his, and then he knew that there was already this talk about the kingdom of God. So he left it out so that he could has, have his evangelistic um, focus, and he focused on other items. But our church today, it suffers. The church today in the U.S. suffers from this assumption because our understanding of evangelism and mission as the basileia, the kingdom of God, is reduced to the result of salvation just that you and I get to go to heaven instead of teaching how you and I can live into the kingdom of God, how we can help others know about the kingdom of God, how we can reach them and tell them just like Jesus told his disciples, go out and tell them this message, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I mean by this is that the gospel again has been preached in such a way that you can receive forgiveness of sins without ever becoming a disciple of Jesus. There's been a disconnect. So how can we reconnect that so we can teach others who are new to Jesus that 
of there, you can have forgiveness of sins, but it also comes through us being an apprentice and following after Jesus. So many times there is this message that you can uh, receive forgiveness without ever helping to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Our charge as disciples, though, is not to sit on salvation, not to just keep it in ourselves, but to take the very forgiveness that has been given to us and to pour it out on others, to take the very love that Christ freely gave to us and give it to others. Just like in the Lord's Prayer, when he teaches us to pray and he says, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's almost as though our forgiveness is contingent upon how we forgive others. We're not just supposed to be a stagnant lake that keeps the water within ourselves, but allows that forgiveness to flow out, to take the wealth that God has given us, to use it to serve him, to take the love of God and use it to reach other people, to uh, take all that Jesus has given us and go to Romania like our mission team did and serve them no matter how small it was for their actions um, as Jesse and Joyce peeled potatoes that fed children for an entire week. Our prayer is that through these actions, the kingdom of God can become real and made known to people. And our prayer here as a church is God, your kingdom come, your will be done here in the quad cities as it is in heaven. You are like me the first time that you heard this message though, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You may be taken aback. You might not even speak, uh, you may might even want to speak to me about this. Please do, I would love to have a conversation. But I believe when the kingdom of God is resident in you and me, in our church, in our community, that we can't help but bear fruit for God and his kingdom. Jesus' end time message was that um, his talk about the end times is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and we are waiting for it to fully come. We are waiting for Jesus to come back and fully instill his kingdom here on earth. But we have to realize that salvation doesn't come at the end of a prayer. It doesn't come when we raise our hands in worship, but it comes through our acknowledgement and submission to God and his authority. Yes, it comes through those things as well but first and foremost through our choice to become a disciple of Jesus. And it comes through God's reign, his kingdom reign in and through our lives. It comes through us choosing to be an apprentice of Jesus, learning from him as he leads and guides us and continues to make us whole for our sake and the sake of our world. It comes through our willing submission to the spirit of God and the choosing to make him the Lord and leader of our lives, just like we talked about with our kids' message, making him our king and spreading the message to other people, to Christians who are waiting on God. Things might not be as they should be in our world. They are broken, but I want to let you know that is why you and I are here. That is why we are present to proclaim the goodness of God, maybe not even through words, maybe not through fancy speech, but instead through our lives. Jesus preached, yes. He said amazing things, but first and foremost, he built the kingdom of God through his actions through his life, through who he spent time with, through um, the uh, outcasts that he uh, had dinner with and welcomed, through the people that he healed. First and foremost, Jesus instilled and reached others with the kingdom of God through his actions and the way that he lived, he lived his life. Because it shows, and you and I need to do the same as well. We need to show others who Jesus is through how we live our life. God's kingdom, it's something to be shared. It's something to be proclaimed. However, we need adequate time, though, in God's word and with God's spirit, in his presence to get to the place where we can spend uh, time spreading and sharing the good news of the kingdom. We know true growth as a follower of Jesus 
comes as we gauge in scripture and engages with us. That's why a large part of our church is focused on our Beyond Sunday Bible reading plan. And we just read through Joel. If you've been reading through it with us, you have gone through, I think, about 10 books of the Bible, which is amazing in just a little bit over half of the year. But it's an amazing thing for us to be engaging with God's word and having it engage with us, um, studying scripture and allowing it to shape our lives. If you're new here, or even if you've been coming for a while, I, I would encourage you, um, we have Beyond Sunday Bible reading plans out in the lobby on the welcome desk for the month of September. Would you join in with us? We're about to read 2nd and 3rd John, which sounds really cool, but they are literally one page long. So it's not that hard to read a book of the Bible, which would be really cool. But I would encourage you to engage with us in God's word as we continue to wage war with the desire to check out during the week and fully engage with the truth of Christ daily in our lives, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, as we learn about the kingdom of God, not just here during this one hour, but throughout the week as well. This past week, again, we finished the book of Mark, um, Joel, and we're about to read through second and third John, but you can pick up wherever we're at and just keep going through. Um, but this is so vital, though, to our continued pursuit of Jesus and as our, in our journey to be apprentices of him because God desires to bring his kingdom to earth through you. He desires to make you an agent of change that he wants to see in this world and for us to be vocal supporters and announcers of the kingdom of God. So now that we understand the way that salvation comes is through the kingdom of God, the, sal the vehicle, um, how though does God desire for us to live into this eternity? And what is eternity? To go back to the beginning, so many times we think eternity is us walking on clouds. We think that it is just a big family reunion or an awesome big party. And um, that is uh, when it's more, that's more of a dream we have built up instead of a true depiction of salvation and eternity. We need to realize that Jesus did not just die on the cross to give us a good life one day. That's a byproduct. But it is the main, what is the main goal of Jesus on the cross? What is the main goal of the empty tomb? Um, thinking about that and thinking um, of the end goal, Jesus gave his life for you as a ransom. He welcomes you into the kingdom of God, not for eternity in the way that we think of it. Instead, the main goal of Christianity, the telos, is first and foremost the ability to have a relationship with God. The main goal of Jesus on the cross is to mend the broken relationship with Adam and Eve all the way at the beginning of time. It's to heal the relationship there and to remove the sin barrier that uh, previously held us back. Jesus' main goal on the cross was to bring the kingdom of God, the reign of God into our lives through a divine relationship, just like in Genesis in the beginning when Jesus, when God would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, when they would have unending conversation with him, Jesus' goal was to bring back that relationship, the main goal of it. And secondly, through that relationship is to form us into the image of Jesus. And lastly, Lastly, the end goal of our apprenticeship is that we can spend the rest of our eternity with our loving God who gave his life freely for you and me for our salvation. And I know what you may be thinking, but that isn't the message I heard growing up in the past. I know, me too, right? I've been taught slivers of the truth, but holistically, what is the truth of Jesus? It is shown to us in scripture in the gospel of John. Turning back to John 17, one through three, says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
and then pay attention because this is the answer. What is eternity? Is it some awesome uh, party up in heaven? Is it an endless buffet line? This is eternal life, that they know you, God the Father, that they would know God, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life that we have a relationship with God the Father, that we get to know him here on earth because that's who we're going to be spending eternity with, that we know God right here and right now, and we help others to know him as well. This is eternal life, that we know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Here we see Jesus' farewell message to the disciple, and Jesus closes with a benediction, a priestly prayer over the church, but also for you and me. And it's a wonderful part of scripture. It is beautiful. Uh, You should go and you should read John 17 this week because it is amazing. However, Jesus tells us what eternity is like, what eternity is. And according to Jesus, it's not some far off thing. It's not something that we have to wait for. It's not on the other side of us closing our eyes, but eternity is right here and right now. And it is knowing God. This is eternal life, that we would know God, the only true God in Jesus whom he sent. This is eternal life. This is the real goal. This is the thing that Jesus went to the cross for, so that you and I and all those who believe in Jesus and trust in him and follow after him, we could become his disciples. All of us who know him, we can know God. We can walk with him like in the garden. We can talk with him like before sin entered the world. We can work for him like Adam did when he named all the animals. We can know the creator of the universe here and now. It's not some distant, far off thing that we have to wait for, but eternity is right here and right now through Jesus and his action on the cross through us repenting, turning from our sin, our own selfish ways, the thought that we are uh, the rulers of our own kingdom, and instead submitting our life and everything that we are to God. We can partner with God to see our world changed in his grace, by his grace. But it all starts with God's end, end goal. He didn't do it to give you an eternity. That was part of the plan. He didn't do it in order to give you a good life because many times following Jesus actually is harder than what our life would be otherwise. He didn't do it in order to give you eternity someday, but Jesus gave his life to give you eternity right now. The end goal of salvation wasn't to give us heaven someday. Is that going to happen? Yes, but it wasn't the main goal. The end goal of salvation is that through the dwelling of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God gives us salvation and eternity right here and right now through a vital, growing, wonderful relationship with the God who loved you so much, he gave his life for you. God desired so much for you to know him, to spend time with him, that he didn't say, wait until the end of time or after you die. God gives us salvation and eternity right here and right now through relationship with him right now. So what do we learn from this? In order to be a part of the kingdom of God, in order to be a part of that, we have to repent to choose Jesus's lordship over our life. And then we can have eternal life right now. I remember the day I realized this. I was driving back. I had, my friend had invited me to church. I had been attending this church for a while. And I had heard this message of Jesus' breaking kingdom of God, inbreaking kingdom of God, the message of his salvation, the, the truth that Jesus wanted to have a relationship with me. And I remember driving back to my college campus in my 1990 Cadillac Coupe de Ville with bright, like, maroon leather seats, uh, and the ceiling had started to cave in, so I had a stapler in there ready to punch it back up. Did I staple the roof of my car? Yes, okay, it's okay. But I chose to follow God. I said, you know what? 
if this preacher, what he is saying is true, then I want to know this God who loved me so much that he gave his life for me. If what this pastor is saying is so true, then I can know God right now. I can have eternity right here. It wasn't a decision out of fear. It wasn't because I didn't want to spend eternity in hell because at that point, I don't think I really cared. The reason that I turned from sin, the reason that I chose to lay my life down, the thing that changed the trajectory of my life forever and led me to the heat of Iowa to preach here today was the truth that Jesus loved me so dearly that he gave his life for me. He loved me so much that he would rather die for the possibility that I would follow him and have a relationship with him rather than there be no way at all. And it's because of that love, that love that I longed for so much that I decided to turn to Christ and I decided to allow his kingdom to come and his will to be done in my life. And it is not through my strength or my own power or through my mind. It is all a gift. Faith is a gift from God. But I began to allow God's kingdom to invade my life and change me from the inside out. It's not one and done and it's not here one day and gone tomorrow. It is not a Jesus fixes all. Following Jesus is a daily choice a choice to choose his ways above our ways, a, choose, a, a choice to choose his desires over ours. And it has not been easy, but it has been blessed. And I have been blessed with a growing relationship with my God and Savior. And I can stand here and tell you that eternity is knowing God. Eternity is knowing the one whom he sent. I don't read these words to you just flippantly or because I went to seminary. I read them to you because I live this out daily with a God who desires to know me and me as a servant desiring to know my God more and more. And I've been blessed to grow in a relationship with God. But we need to change our view on eternity because it is not something that we wait for as Christians. But just like Jesus said, it is here, it is now, and it is through a relationship with God that we can experience eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start one day, you know, when our eyes close. It starts the moment we give our life to Jesus and follow after him. For some of you, that has been for many, many years. And I want to thank you for continuing to pursue Jesus. For some of you, it's been recent. For some of you, you haven't made that decision yet. I'd ask you, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you this week. I'd love to open the Bible with you, even answer some of the questions you have if if you are dealing with um, uncertainties about faith. But I can tell you eternal life starts the moment that we choose to follow Jesus. The good news, the summation of the gospel, is that Jesus gave his life so that you can find yours, so that you could have a new life in him, but also so that you could know him. Because we will be spending eternity with God, so shouldn't we take time in the here and now to get to know him? I was thinking about it this week as I was mowing in the 92-degree weather. Um, So many times at the end of sermons, the pastor asks, If you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? And that's a valid question. But in this room, I believe it only pertains to a small group of people. I believe the overarching and better question instead that I can ask you today is if you were to live to see tomorrow, if your breath were to fill your lungs and your eyes were to open tomorrow, what are you going to do differently? If you were to live to see tomorrow, how are you going to live differently? Are you going to follow Jesus better, more fully? Are you maybe going to start following Jesus? Will you try a divine experiment and give it a try? Will you actually take 10 minutes, which is our challenge, to sit alone and be with God, to disconnect? Will you pick up a new spiritual discipline? Will you open your Bible again and allow his words to come and make place in your heart? If you were to live tomorrow and if God blessed you with another day, how will you bless the Lord with that day? How will you honor God this week? How will you honor him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through Saturday, not just on Sunday. But if God gives you one more day, 
what are you going to do with it? If you were to live to see tomorrow, how are you going to live to see differently? How are you going to live it differently than you did today? Today, as a church community, we're going to take communion. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper and where we will remember Jesus' action on the cross. And I want you to realize that that was the moment where eternity was made real, where the um, sin was torn down between you and I, and we could have a relationship with our loving God who gave his life for you. Today, as we celebrate communion, as we remember this, it's not a tradition, it's not an act that we do or a ritual, but it is us coming before God's table and remembering his action on the cross and what that means for you and I. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, for your life, and for your love. I thank you that your kingdom is resident in and with us, that you are not far away, but you are here with us right now. So we pray, Jesus, that you would help us to live after, live into your kingdom more. I thank you for that question. If we were to live to tomorrow, what would we do differently? How would we change tomorrow? How would we follow after you more? Jesus, I pray that you, just like Joel said in, in his book, that you would give us visions and dreams of how we can live more into the kingdom of God day and day until the day when we get to see the summation of our faith, when we get to see um, you reign full and true. And it's in the words of Jesus that we pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Hey, again, we hope that you enjoyed that teaching from Pastor Zachary and being a part of what God is doing here at Christ Family Church. If you'd like to come visit us in person sometime, we meet every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. And if you'd like more information on our church, you can head over to ChristFamilyChurch.org. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week.